Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Spooky Recipe. Spooky Recipe? Welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. And I'm Betsy. I've met Molly's right-hand gal and your worst nightmare. Your worst nightmare? Betsy, what's going on? Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient. Plus, at the end of the season, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a terrifying recipe together. Can you guess what it is yet? It won't be terrifying. But it will use cinnamon, vegetable oil, and garlic. It's day two of Garlic Week. That's right! Today we have a horrifying blend of fact and terror in our tricky trivia segment, followed by a monstrous conversation in Ask I Grab Up. Mitzi, why do you keep saying scary things? Because, Molly, today's episode we'll be talking about my fellow creatures of the night. Dun, dun, dun! Can we put a lightning bolt in there? Insomniacs? No, Molly! Vampires! Yeah! Boo! Shriek! Rawr! Am I scary? (laughs) Not really, no. Yeah! Okay. I have one more trick. But first, beware, beware, beware of the thief! Song. Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Ooh. Ooh, boy. Elephants. Mystery recipe. What's your other trick, Mitzi? Ah, good question, Molly. What is my other trick? Should be about time for it. <clears throat> Psst, Count Spatula. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> Blair, look out, Molly, for it is I, Count Spatula. What? Oh, no, not Count Spatula. Yes, I am here to suck your blueberries. No, Greg, blood. Uh, blood oranges. No, blood. Blood blood like your blood blood. Ew. Mitzi, that's disgusting. That's what vampires do, Greg. I mean, that's what you do, Count Spatula. Uh, you suck people's blood and you turn them into immortal vampire creatures. Huh, that's not very nice. It's not real, Greg. <gasps> Molly! Molly, how'd you know it was me? Just a hunch, but... Also because vampires aren't real. They're monsters, made-up characters and spooky stories that people tell. I've never... I've never really understood why people tell scary stories, Molly. Well, everyone has different reasons, I'm sure. But some people think it's fun to tell scary stories. It gets your heart racing and sometimes makes you... Jump! Ah! Ah! Molly! That was petrifying. Sorry, I had to... Some people don't like scary stories, though, so instead of doing what I just did and trying to scare people for fun, it's always good to ask them first if they want to hear a spooky story. 
I personally love scary stories. I think scary stories are fun, if I'm being honest. I also like costumes. Do you like my vampire outfit, Molly? I've got the fake cape. I've got the black cape and these little pointy ears. I'm not sure I understand the ears, actually. I love your vampire outfit, Greg. And your giant spatula. Oh, thank you. But yeah, that part was more for the Count Spatula joke. Well, we do have some more to learn about vampires in today's episode. Do you think we should get started with our first segment? Yes, I think that sounds like a great idea. Tricky trivia. Right, Molly? Absolutely, Greg. I'm going to give you a fact about our ingredient theme, and you have to help our listeners guess if it's true or false. Are you ready to play? Alrighty then. Let's get started. All right. Here's your first one. True or false, Greg? Elephant garlic is a type of garlic eaten by elephants. Oh, boy. Elephants. Elephants. And garlic. Yes. Hmm. Well, I should talk through my thoughts. Hmm, let's see. Elephants are animals. Animals definitely eat plants, sometimes. Garlic is a part of a plant. A bulb, really. So, that makes sense, I guess. So, on one hand, it would make sense if a certain type of garlic eaten by elephants was named after elephants. Logical. Do we name foods after the things that eat them? Hmm, I don't know specifically of the bunny carrot or the mouse cheese. I guess horseradish is a thing, though. Also, elephants are notable because they are very large animals. Garlic is notable because it's very small and has a very large flavor. So perhaps size plays a role here. And instead of this being the type of garlic that elephants eat... It's a notable type of garlic because it's large like elephants. Hmm, so I'm going to go with false. Is it called elephant garlic because it is large like elephants? Yes, you are correct. (sighs) Elephant garlic is called that because it is big like elephants. There's a ton that's interesting about elephant garlic. First, it's huge. A head of elephant garlic can be about the size of a full adult hand, way bigger than the garlic we typically see in the store. Also, despite the name, elephant garlic is not actually garlic. Whoa. Of note is that it is also not an elephant. Very true. It's more closely related to leeks than to garlic. Conventional garlic usually has about 20 cloves in each head. Elephant garlic has just about six. It does have a super mild garlic-like flavor, though. Sounds like elephants might like to eat it. I have no idea. Mitzi, what do elephants eat? Well, I'd be happy to tell you that, Molly. As it turns out, elephants eat roots, grasses, fruit, and bark, and they eat a lot of these things. An adult elephant can consume up to 300 pounds of food in a single day? What? Really? Whoa. How do you know so much about elephants, Mitzi? I don't, actually. I just Googled it. Look, they have lots of cute pictures of baby elephants, too, see? Oh, look at them. Look at their little trunks and their little feeties. Oh, I love the baby elephants. They're so cute. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Look at the baby elephants. Okay. Are you ready for your next one? Sure am. 
Bye, baby elephants. I'll see you later. Okay. Next one, true or false. Black garlic is garlic that's been slow-cooked in a machine for a very long time at a low temperature for at least several weeks. Oh, I've actually tried black garlic before. Amazing. What did it look like? What did it taste like? It was wild. The cloves were pitch black, and the garlic skin was kind of purple. It tasted almost sweet, not super garlicky. And do you know how it came to be? Uh, no. But it makes sense that it would need some serious process to go from the light, strong-flavored garlic we see in the store to the sweet black kind. Unless it was grown that way. But it's hard to imagine growing something so dark and sweet on its own. So, uh, true? Nice work, Greg. It is true. Aged black garlic is cooked very slowly at a low temperature. It varies from place to place, but it can take weeks to make. The resulting bulbs have loose-fitting gray-purple skin and opaque black cloves. Straight out of the skins, the cloves have a sticky, chewy texture and a strong, sweet flavor that might remind you of molasses or reduced balsamic vinegar with a mild garlic aftertaste. Ooh, you just got very fancy food person just then. I loved it. Thanks, Greg. I love finding words to describe how things taste. Okay, here's your next one. This one is super hard, but I think you're ready. True or false, I, Molly Birnbaum, love (laughs) the flavor of raw garlic. This one is hard. I can't really reason myself to the answer. That's right. This one is more of a gut feeling. You might even say that it's a matter of personal taste. Nice one. (laughs) Thanks. Well, I heard you laugh in a way I don't usually hear you laugh when you said you love garlic. Ooh, interesting. And do you think that means I do love raw garlic or that I don't? Well, I'm going to guess false. You don't love raw garlic. Your nervous laugh gave it away. You are correct. I do actually hate the flavor of raw garlic. It's so strong and stays in my mouth forever. But I love the flavor of cooked garlic. I could eat it all day. You were right. That was a tough one. But I agree. I love garlic in recipes when it's cooked, but not really raw, and especially not on its own. Agreed. Nice work using unexpected clues there, Greg. Great job with Tricky Trivia today. Thank you, Molly. I had no idea garlic was uh, such a powerful vegetable. There's a lot going on in those little cloves. There is indeed, Greg. Hey, Molly. Hey, Mitzi. Hey, Greg. Nice cape. Oh, thank you. Do I look scary? Terrifying. Wait, really? Scariest vampire I've seen all day. Chad, if you're here, that must mean it's time for Ask a Grown-Up. That's right. And today we are talking to a vampire expert. Right after the break. First, it's time for a word from our sponsors. Grown-ups, these ads are for you. I want to tell you about our sponsor, the Kroger family of stores. Kroger's pickup and delivery options make it easy to have grocery shopping be one less thing on your to-do list. To order a grocery delivery, you can shop online for the products you need and get them on your doorstep the same day. Planning ahead? 
you can also choose a date and time that works for you. Or try their pickup service and pick up your order at the store you choose. Kroger Associates will even bring out your purchases and load them into your car. It's great. Available in appropriate markets only. Find out more by going to Kroger.com today. Hey, grown-ups! Today I want to tell you all about mangoes. And my friend Carmen Dongo is here to help. Carmen, can you introduce yourself, please? I'm Carmen Dongo. I'm a test cook with America's Test Kitchen. Carmen, I know tons of kids love fresh-cut mangoes as a snack, but dishes with mango are a great way to get kids to try new flavors, too. Can you think of any mango recipes that you think kids would enjoy? I think kids would really enjoy tasting mango lassi. Lassi is a yogurt-based drink that originated in the Punjab region of India. You can also just blend them up into a mango smoothie. For more easy, kid-approved mango recipes, visit mango.org slash mysteryrecipe. And we're back. So, Chad, what are we learning about today? Well, Molly, as soon as I heard we were going to be doing Garlic Week, I knew that I wanted to learn more about vampires. Why is that? Well, the made-up idea of blood-sucking vampires goes back thousands of years and is told in all sorts of different cultures around the world. But nowadays, a few consistent facts seem to come to mind when we think about these fictional, shape-shifting monsters. What do you know about vampires, Molly? Well, I know that in stories, they are said to be able to turn into bats, and they rise from the dead, they live forever, and that they're afraid of the sun. All true. Not really true, of course, since vampires are make-believe, but stories have mentioned everything you just said. It's also been said that garlic can ward off these imaginary evil creatures, which to me sounded so strange. Like, of all the things to terrify an immortal, blood-sucking monster, why garlic? So, I talked to Dr. Emily Zarka, who was perfectly qualified to answer this question for us. I love your bat lamp. Thank you. Her bat lamp isn't what made her perfectly qualified. I just thought it was very cool. I'm Dr. Emily Zarka. I have a PhD in literature with an emphasis on the Gothic, and I'm a monster expert. What's a monster expert? Good question. First, I asked Dr. Zarka what a monster even is. So monsters are those things that you point your finger at and say, that's the bad guy. That's, you know, the evil thing, the scary thing. People pointing the finger and calling someone a monster usually says more about those people, about what they're scared of, rather than the monster itself. Not all monsters have to be scary. I'm really interested in why monsters are invented, not just the way they look or they act, why they were created in the first place. So I think that by looking at monsters, why certain people believed in a monster at a certain period of time, it can teach us a lot about how those people lived, what was going on in their lives, and what more broadly they were scared of. Basically, since monsters are make-believe and invented by people, Dr. Zarka studies why people made them up. Hence, monster expert. And what does she know about vampires? So a vampire is a fictional creature. It's a monster that we've made up where a 
body comes back from the dead to take the life force of the living, usually through blood. Vampires have appeared for hundreds of years in all kinds of stories. Everything from just stories people tell each other around a campfire, which we call folklore, regional stories, to fairy tales. We also see them in art, we see them in poetry, we see them in movies and TV shows as well. Vampires are everywhere. One thing that I've heard that vampires really don't like is garlic. Have you heard this before? I have heard that. It's very popular. Um, it's been popular since uh, the late 1800s when Bram Stoker wrote the famous book Dracula. He was the first person to write in a fictional text that you could hang garlic up in windows or put it around your bed or your neck, and that would repel the vampire. But that's just fiction. Um, again, like all monsters, it's important to find out why he would have written down something like that. And we think he got the idea from folklore, from those, you know, traditional stories passed down. Um, but garlic is one thing that has a long history and stories outside of monsters. Stories like what? So a lot of these stories where vampires are afraid of garlic might have their roots in ancient burial practices. So there were some people that would put garlic and other strong smelling things with the bodies of people who have passed on. And in Romania, which has a lot of vampire stories, garlic was actually rubbed on windows and doors in the shape of a cross to repel all bad spirits. So that may be another place where we, you know, got the idea of hanging up garlic in the window to protect us. Um, garlic also has a long history in folk medicine and has been known by its healing properties for thousands of years. So, vampires hating garlic can be traced back to a book from the 1800s called Dracula by Bram Stoker. Yes, but he might have gotten the idea from burial practices that had been used for centuries. Or from Romania, where people thought garlic could repel bad spirits. People have been telling stories about garlic a lot longer than they've been telling stories about Dracula. Absolutely. Garlic's been used in cooking, in medicine, and like I said, repelling evil. And that just shows what we do as humans, right? We find the things that are growing around us, that are living around us, and try to find out what they can do to help our lives. So garlic, you know, might not help you repel a vampire, and Bram Stoker certainly thinks it does, but garlic has plenty of uses and happens to taste delicious as well, in my opinion. I happen to think so too. So do I. I asked Dr. Zarka one more question. I thought our listeners might like to know. What would you say to someone who is afraid of monsters? What I would say for someone who is scared of monsters is to remember that they're just stories. It's okay to be afraid, but always remember that those stories were made up by someone who was also scared. So don't be afraid of monsters. They can't hurt you because they don't really exist. Dr. Zarka, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you so much for having me, and stay spooky. Stay spooky, Molly. Thanks, Chad, and thanks to Dr. Zarka as well. Grown-ups, in addition to being a monster expert, Dr. Zarka is also the creator, writer, and host of a show for PBS called Monstrum, which looks at human history as monster history. It's wonderful, but can be a bit spooky, so I check it out for yourself before watching it with your young chefs. We'll see you next week, Chad. Molly! Molly! Mitzi, I told you I'm... Mitzi? Where did you go? Molly! Ooh. Mitzi? Greg? You were both just here. 
Where is everybody? Now I'm alone in the studio. Oh? Are you really alone, Molly? Are you ever really alone? Or are you maybe in the studio with Count Spatula? <sighs> Blair. <gasps> oh, man. Nice one, Mitzi. Nice one, Greg. Thank you, Molly. We were hiding under the table here. I see that. Good hiding spot. Molly, are you all right? I heard yelling. Andrea! Hi, Andrea! I'm fine, Andrea. Thanks for checking in, though. Mitzi and Count Spatula here just scared me. Oh, wow. You've got a very spooky costume going on, Mr. Count, Mr. Spatula, Dr. Count Spatula. Why, thank you, Andrea. So do you. I am not wearing a costume. Oh, just kidding, of course. Well, Andrea, since you're here, how about we get started with how-to time? Sounds good to me. Ready, Count? I am ready. Count Spatula, we want you to practice your cooking techniques while you're our intern this season. And so every week, our friend Andrea is going to teach you something new to up your arsenal of kitchen skills. Andrea is a test cook here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and things like the Young Chef's Club boxes. You can find out more about all that fun stuff by going to atkkids.com. So, Andrea, what are you and the Count going to be working on today? Since it's garlic week, we're going to work on prepping garlic. What? Count's spatula. Can't touch garlic. Well, that makes sense. Maybe I could get Greg's help with this instead of Count Spatula? Surprise! It's me, Andrea. I was just pretending to be a spooky vampire. Very spooky. I love spooky stuff. So, are you ready to get started? Yeah, let's go. Okay, like I said before, we're going to learn how to prep garlic today. What does that mean? Oh, like motivating it. Getting inspired and fired up. I know how to do this. I'm a boss. I gave you a prep talk under the table just now, Greg, so a little more of that energy. Ha, 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 ha. That's a pep talk, Mitzi, but you're actually not far off. Prepping an ingredient means that we're getting it ready to use. It's important to measure and prepare your ingredients before you begin a recipe. This is called mise en place, which is a French cooking term that translates to put in place. It means everything is lined up and ready to go. Mise en place. That sounds like a great idea. Because then, when you're cooking a recipe, you won't have time to go looking for anything or have to quickly measure an ingredient. Way to go, France. Wee oui, wee. Oui. It's pretty key for success in the kitchen. Each ingredient goes into a little dish or bowl so things are separate and easy to grab. It's also a great way to make sure nothing from your ingredient list is left out. Mise en place is a technique that restaurant chefs use to make sure they're ready to make whatever dishes are ordered very quickly. And we use it here at America's Test Kitchen all the time when we're testing recipes. Wow, that's so cool! I can't wait to do my mise en place the next time I'm cooking a recipe. Well, we can practice right now with this head of garlic. Garlic grows in a head, which is made up of multiple cloves. Most recipes only call for a few cloves of garlic, not the whole head. So before we cook with garlic, we have to get it ready by separating the cloves from the head, peeling as many cloves as we need, and sometimes mincing or pressing the cloves. That all sounds pretty hands-on. I think I mentioned this before, Andrea, but I don't really like getting my hands messy. 
I remembered, Greg, which is why I brought you these. Ta-da! A pair of kitchen gloves that are just your size. Wow, Andrea! That sure was so thoughtful of you. These even have my name on them. Yep, I wrote that on myself. Wow! That means so much to me, Andrea. It's not every day someone will meet me where I'm at, instead of asking me to change, if I'm being honest. That's exactly what it's all about. Making the kitchen work for you, not making you change to work in our kitchens. Plus, I think these gloves are really cute. They so are. Gray, just my color. Okay, ready. How do I separate cloves from the head of garlic? Use your hands to remove the papery skin on the outside of the garlic until you can see the individual cloves. Then you can just pull them off, like pulling a banana off the bunch. Good work. Now that we have our individual cloves, we have to peel the garlic. Garlic cloves have a very thin skin, which is not fun to eat. The easiest way to remove it is to lightly crush the garlic. You can do this with something that has a flat bottom, like a dry measuring cup or the side of your knife. But if the garlic is crushed, can we still use it in the recipe or is it ruined? Don't worry, Greg. It's still perfectly good to use. In fact, crushing garlic is how you release its flavor. It's sort of like herbs in that way. Which listeners may remember from our Basil Week experiment in Season 1. Greg! Such a mastery of the mystery recipe canon already! Call me impressed. Aw, thanks. (laughs) Impressed. (laughs) Garlic's flavor comes from a compound called allicin, which isn't formed until the garlic cells are ruptured. As soon as the cells are ruptured, allicin starts to form, so it's best to save your garlic prep until a few minutes before you're about to use it. Otherwise, the garlic flavor could get really strong. I had no idea there would be so much science in something so simple. So, I use the bottom of this measuring cup to crush the garlic clove. And then, the peel just kind of gets pulled right off. Oh, wow. That already smells pretty powerful. Is it ready to use now? For some dishes, yes. But in this case, we're going to mince the garlic, which means to chop it into very small pieces. This thing seems pretty small to be able to hold onto while I'm chopping. That's true. Garlic cloves are too small to hold, which is why when we mince garlic, you're not going to touch it at all. We put one hand on the handle of your chef's knife and rest the fingers of your other hand on top of the blade. On top of the blade? Yes. Carefully, of course. The bottom of your knife's blade is the sharp part. The top is totally safe to touch and will actually help you to keep those fingers safe and out of the way. Next, use a rocking motion and pivot the knife back and forth to chop the garlic into very small pieces. Okay, I'm nervous, but I'll try it. You can do it. Just remember, you might need to go over the chopped pieces of garlic a few times to get them very small. Oh, oh, this isn't so hard. Uh, How does that look? Very good. You've got some great mincing skills. Wow, now that was a prep talk, Andrea. You're right, Mitzi, I guess it was. A great one, too. Thanks, Andrea. Well, that's it for today. I'm here if you need anything, Greg, and if not, I'll see you next week. Bye, Mitzi. Bye, Molly. Thanks again, Andrea. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. Oh, um, real quick, before we go, I got you both these. You what? <gasps> Greg! 
us capes. So we can look spooky together. Greg, one thing you might not know about me is that it's really easy to make me cry. Ah, oh, look at how cute these are, Molly. I'm an oven mitt in a cape. Oh, I'm sorry, Mitzi. I didn't mean to make you cry. No, Greg, it's a good cry. Don't worry. <laughs> a good cry. A very, very, very good cry. These are so cute. Thank you. Yeah, what a nice thing to do. <gasps> now we're spooky. Well, we'll be back soon with another spooky episode. We've got some appealing science in our pressing questions segment, followed by something not so spooky in our wild card. And remember, at the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. Can you guess what it is? If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Or feel free to leave us a review. We love reading them. We also love you if you don't leave us a review. You could just be palling around in your living room wearing your favorite Halloween costume, and I'd still think you're great. So, until then, keep, keep on, on cooking. cooking. Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Birnbaum, and I am a chocolate croissant. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is Eggs Benedict. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. She's a breakfast burrito. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Anya Jeshik and Matt Boynton of Ultraviolet Audio. They are two eggs over easy with a side of corned beef hash. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and is a Pop-Tart. Our post-production supervisor is Jen Margolis. She's French toast. Our line producer is Diane Knox, who is also an omelet. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's two double lattes. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's a blueberry pancake. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams, Executive Editor Kristen Sargianis. Executive Food Editor Susanna McFerrin. Senior Editors Afton Cyrus and Ali Velez Aldifer. Test Cooks Andrea Vavjin and Cassandra Laughlin. Assistant Editors Katie O'Hara and Tess Berger. And Assistant Test Cook Kristen Bango. Andrea Vavjin was a contributing writer on this episode. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Jonathan Cormer. Thanks again to our sponsors, Kroger and the National Mango Board. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids. Okay, wait, so try this. You hold up one end of the cape and then whoosh it like this. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. Okay, on three. One, two, whoosh. Three, I mean, uh, three. Uh, so spooky. <laughs> Hi, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. 
As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts, and we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win. 